This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on this Thursday, the 4th of July, 2019. Thank you for tuning in to the newest program today. And uh, we are back. We took last week off, which is completely fine. Sometimes you just... You need to take a break, you need to get other things in order, etc., uh, etc. Et you, know, you know how it is. Uh, sometimes you just gotta take a week off, gotta manage other things. But like I said, I was gonna be there next week. And indeed, here we are, doing a new show. So, first and foremost, happy uh, 4th of July to everyone who is celebrating. However you're, uh, you're celebrating it, whatever it is that you're doing or you aren't, doing, whether you're kind of going with the, uh, you, you know, the, the stereotypical way of, uh, of going to the cookout, or a, uh, a barbecue, or, you know, or whatever, whatever it is that you want to, uh, grill up, and then going to see a fireworks display, maybe a professional one, maybe not, maybe you're gonna launch something out of the backyard, if you do that, and, you know, you want to do it, just do it responsibly, Limit the alcohol consumption, etc., etc. I'm not going to, uh, you know, have fun. Have fun, be safe, don't do anything stupid, and make the most of it. And uh, for those of you who aren't doing anything, I'm not either. So, <laughs> there you have it. I'm, I'm not expecting, uh, I'm not expecting much in the way of response for this show. I think it's going to be probably the lightest that it's ever been. And uh, I'm not surprised. Like, you know, you have to psych yourself up for something. You have to say, look, I'm ready for this not to do well. And then you're not going to be surprised if it doesn't, or if or inevitably when it doesn't do well. Right, so. No biggie. Uh, because people have their own lives, and, and that's just where it stands. Otherwise, in uh, in regards to miscellaneous things, I do have a couple personal anecdotes that I'm going to... I'll give them whether anyone listens or not. I just want to. But like any real, you know, real put-together lectures is the best way to put it. I'm going to save those for the next show because I want to make sure that they're heard by someone. Uh, but I have a few personal anecdotes, you know, kind of getting into the uh, philosophical side of things. I'm going to cover those. And then we will uh, we'll go and we'll read a bunch of your, your listener letters. I think we're just going to have an old-fashioned mailbag show. I'm mostly going to read international letters today, uh, because, again, most of the domestic U.S. audience uh, is not listening today. So we will just um, open up the mailbag later on and read uh, eh, whatever from from whoever. I'm still going to read some U.S. letters, but we'll see what our listeners around the globe have to say as well. So anyway, hope things are going well for you anyway. Hope the month of June was a fine one. It was a lovely month. A good one. And uh, on a miscellaneous note, the average day 2019 video is coming out. It's coming out soon. The, you know, there was there were a few setbacks when it comes down to the average day video. Let me just adjust this right here. There were a bunch of setbacks, let me tell you. It was, uh... It, there's always, always something. 
And most of the time I try to ignore it. I try to say, well, you know, it's not the world's biggest issue. I'm just going to forget it and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll continue onward. But this was a big one. I filmed it. And then some of the footage got deleted by accident. And when it's deleted, and I mean, it was gone. There's nothing I could do. So I had to redo the entire thing. And editing it is a pain. I'm trying a new editing strategy. We're going to see what happens. Well, I'm just going to do it in segments, editing-wise, right? So I'll edit a number of clips together. Then make that into one video. Then edit a bunch of other clips together. Make that into another video. And then edit all these videos together instead of having, like, 50 clips. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what's faster. Probably... It doesn't matter, but I'm just going to see what happens. So, uh, we have that. And anyway, that's going to be coming out soon. I think it should be out in the next week. That's my guess. So, I mean, I, I will not set, like, a particular date to it. You know, it'll come out when it comes out. But I will say it should be... If all goes well, and it should, it should all be going according to plan, then should be out in the very near future, so stay tuned. Uh, I know I get asked this question so many times. The Average Day video is an annual video. comes out once a year, every year, around June, July, that part of the year. So that's when it comes out, and that's where it stands, right? June, July, somewhere thereabouts. It's not like there is one single date that it is attributed to. Rather, there is it's just this general time of year. And when it comes out, it comes out. But it will. That's a guarantee. So I apologize for the setbacks. If they could be avoided, they would have been. And look, I was a screw-up on my part. I completely... I accept responsibility there, right? So if you want to take it out on me, go for it. But that's just what it comes down to. So, that's where it stands, anyway. So otherwise, um, if you are listening in right now, go for it. You can send me an email. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O. I-N-F-O at gmail.com Victor Oscar Romeo Whiskey India November Foxtrot Oscar at gmail.com That's the NATO phonetic alphabet because uh, sometimes it's it's. I understand I get the order wrong too sometimes you know, sometimes you'll get people that'll put V-O-W-R or V-R-O-W but it's V-O-R-W I-N-F-O at gmail.com. I should have picked a better name for this show, to be honest, but I, it is what it is. We're just going with it. Something that would be easier to remember. All right, so this is what I really wanted to talk about today. And I'm trying something new here because this microphone setup usually works out best when I am sitting down. Uh, but I'm, you know, it has a little bit of a cord to it, and I said, well, you know what? I'm through with it. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to walk around. So, you know, that's if you notice any little, I don't know, shakiness, a little bit of wavering, but 
I'm just changing it up a little bit, and I want to. That's all. That's, that's what I'm doing. So anyway, the one thing that I really wanted to talk about today, it came to me... Well, it came to me a couple of days ago. It was a realization. And sometimes we get that, you know, where you're there, you're watching something, and it hits you. And it's, it, look, it's probably something that you already know, right? It could be an idea, a belief, a, uh, a viewpoint, an opinion, or anything in between. And it was something that could be long-standing, something that you felt for a long time, and it's just, it comes back to you. You know, it hits you again. In a sense, it is perhaps even reaffirmed to you. Resolidified, you know, you name it. So I was watching YouTube, and, you know, usually I, uh, I listen to the radio, but of course I, I use YouTube. I'm not too big watching various YouTubers, kind of... Re it's actually really funny to say that, since my own line of work is being on YouTube, but that's aside the point. We all have our preferences with media, media consumption, so on and so forth. Alright, so anyway, I uh, usually I listen to music on YouTube, but I was feeling like just seeing what the recommended videos had in store. And, uh, I mean, you know how it is, where sometimes you get recommended these videos that are years old, and it could be anything. It can be related to what you were watching, or it can be totally, uh, totally random. Like, there was some video from 2006 uh, about something that I wasn't even interested in, something from some concert or something that just randomly popped up in my recommendations, and I thought, well, all right wasn't really that interesting, and that was that. You know, I called it a day. So anyway, this one video wound its way up, and it was of this one plane crash in Hawaii. And it wasn't anything recent. It wasn't this one with the, the skydivers or anything. It's going back to 2013. And it had over 4 million views, so, I mean, maybe you've seen it. I'm sure someone, someone else watching it did. It's by some YouTube channel called Real World Police. And uh, I, I took a look at it, and I thought to myself, well, I'll give it a, uh, I'll give it a watch. You know, sometimes I like watching these uh, real-world videos. Um, like, I, I like watching some of the police videos, uh, all that type of stuff. And uh, just, you know, sometimes they can be interesting, sometimes not, sometimes they're too much. Uh, but I thought, well, I'll give it a watch, I'll see what was going on. It didn't look like it was too graphic or anything, so I thought, okay... And, uh, from 2013, it was of this small plane that crashed off the coast of an island in Hawaii. So I start the video up, and I'm watching it, and, you know, the guy gets on, uh, kind of doing a voiceover, explaining what was going on. <laughs> and he's going all, like, uh, Morgan Freeman style, you know, really, I mean, deep dramatic, you, I mean, you name it, right? And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this, um, this looks familiar. And you might be saying to yourself, well, what are, you, what are you talking about? Have you ever been to Hawaii? Yeah, I, I, I was there in 2014. Just thinking, well, I kind of, I, I recognize the place. And as a matter of fact, I was there. All right, you know, Big deal. We, we are all at places that are you know, familiar with, right? 
so one. I'm thinking, well, I mean, this this wasn't a very popular island of Hawaii. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even a popular part of the island. Uh, it was a place called Kalpalpa, Hawaii, maybe Kalapalpa. And, uh, I mean, not a lot of people really go there. The airport that this plane took off was tiny. It was a single little airstrip with a little shack near it. It was in a very, very scenic area, but it was not by any means in a popular area. So right there, I have its interest. It had my interest. I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, yeah, this is... <laughs> yeah, of course, people go there, but not a lot. I mean, only a couple thousand a year, probably. And then I'm looking. This is the same airline that I was on. The same exact small little plane. Same exact flight. Same everything. Just one year before I was there. And I didn't know of this until the other day. And the one thing that immediately came to my mind, I thought to myself, man, I'm really glad I did not watch this video in 2014, or I would be scared out of my wits to fly in this plane, right? But I just thought to myself, I mean, the coincidence, and it was something that I could relate to, and I thought to myself, oh my god, you know, I could have, uh, this could have been me, right? Because in this video, you have this little plane, I mean, it seats, you know, maybe maybe a dozen people at most. It's a small propeller plane. Single engine, you know. And he takes off from the airport and is only able to ascend, like, uh, maybe, whatever, not even a thousand feet, I don't think. And he's taking off. And the engine fails. And he just slams down into the ocean. And the, you might be saying, well, how did they get the video? Well, one of the passengers was wearing a GoPro. So the whole thing was recorded. And the pilot, it was really, this was on him. Before they took off, he didn't even go over the safety briefing. He just said, you know, you guys know the drill. Of course, because, you know, you, you don't expect anything to happen. Like, whenever I'm on an airplane, even major airline. I, I, I'm one of the few that I, I sit there and I pay attention to the safety briefing at the beginning. I mean, just because, look, you don't know. You, you never know. What if some S happens and I need to put the oxygen mask on? You better believe I'm going to pay attention so I know how to apply it properly and securely because something like that, I mean, could make a world of difference between making it out in one piece or not. You know? So, I always try and pay attention where all these things are, where uh, the little life vests are, how to put the oxygen mask on, where the nearest exits are. And, and here's a little rule of thumb. Let me just tell you this as a little tangent. If you are ever on a plane that crash lands and... I mean, either way, you need to get off this thing fast. Please, I implore you, do not be one of those people that sits there and tries to take their luggage off the plane. You know, there was a video that I saw that was a lot worse than the one from Hawaii, from Russia, and there was this plane on the runway that was on fire, 
and the plane was on fire and it was filling with smoke and you had these people that were there trying to take their luggage off of it as if it was just a routine landing like I understand look it'll suck to lose your valuables I understand it but what's what's worth it more losing your luggage or your life right one of those you can get back for the most part very very selfish and irresponsible if you ask me anyway but what happened was on this small plane the pilot didn't go over any of the safety briefing and what happens the plane goes down now yeah it was you know it was maybe oh i don't know it wasn't right in the shallows look it was in deep water it was close to the shore but not you know not close enough that any any one could swim over to it right if you were like a professional swimmer maybe but otherwise i wouldn't i would not put my money on it and the plane goes down and everyone's you know trying to put the life vests on you you know with no safety briefing given that's kind of a hard thing to do cuz you, you got the adrenaline going through you're you're panicked you don't know how long this plane is going to stay above water maybe it will maybe it won't you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if something could explode or what you need to you just got to get out of there you want to just you want this to be over with and uh, unfortunately you know everyone had to get out get into the water kind of hang on to the wreckage it took 80 minutes could you believe this 80 minutes for any sort of rescue to arrive and uh, one of the passengers on the plane died uh, because again because no safety briefing was given she didn't know she put on uh the infant life vest which could only support 15 pounds and uh, she was dead b- b- before any rescue could arrive but you know this particular instance really hit me because it was so familiar a situation you know it was something that i i was in this exact situation now yes it was a safe flight it was uneventful i didn't have any problems and i don't really remember if the safety briefing was gone over or not i would imagine that it was uh, of course after that i'm sure it was but it made me think you know that really that could have been me could happen to me could happen to anyone you know that got me thinking of course the people who were on this plane they didn't expect for it to go down you know they were done touring around for the day they were on the flight back to honolulu probably going to go back to their hotel you know go got a good bite to eat somewhere get a good uh got a good burger or maybe some pizza or maybe a salad or whatever go maybe some more sightseeing uh, visit some friends some family catch up show you know share talk about what they saw today they didn't anticipate to get into a plane crash and be be hanging off the plane here in the water possibly on the verge of death and for one person that was a sad reality made me think you know what it's something that i already know it's something that i already think about 
something that I've already talked and lectured about, but it's something that is important nonetheless. And it's, of course, that uncertainty when it comes down to life. Look, we don't know what's going to happen. And a lot of the times, yes, we go about it and we think very negatively. We think, well, we never know what's going to happen. We never know what is, you know, what's going to happen today. I don't know. You don't know. We can take a guess, but look, there's always going to be things that take us off guard. And we always think badly, yeah, you know, what if this happens, what if that happens, what if this, that, or the other thing goes wrong, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, what if something good happens? What if the stars are in your favor, and tomorrow ends up being the best day of your life? Look, you don't know. Could be. We just don't know. And the future has yet to be written... It leaves a world of possibilities, both good and bad, in our future. And like I said, we could always take guesses about what might or might not happen, but in truth, we don't know until it does. And, of course, that uncertainty, it always gets me thinking, and it always leads down the same road to the same thing that I'm going to tell you right now. One thing that I always think back to When I think about that uncertainty, I think about that plane, I think about that flight, and I think about how unexpected it was, how everyone on board that plane, maybe the pilot, hopefully, maybe not, maybe he knew it was going to crash and just didn't care, no one saw it coming, no one expected it. And as a result, I never try to take things in life, especially those things that we value, that's most important for granted and that's my piece of advice to you and look we're not going to be able to follow this to a T when it's something that comes down to life right it's not like saying okay make sure you wear your seatbelt because that applies to just one situation right when you're in the car right you strap in you buckle in you're good to go you don't have to worry about it When it comes down to life, the way you live your life, the way you process that info and act accordingly, it's continuous. Every waking second, it would require, in one way, shape, or form, that effort. And we just aren't capable of it. We're the first to admit it, we aren't. But that doesn't mean we should give up, not care, and not try. Because, look, in truth, we just don't know how long things can be the way that they are. Yeah, things could get worse, things could be better, things could be become incredibly good going forward. But all I ask is just never try to take what you have for granted. Appreciate the people and things that give you that joy, that happiness that you love and that love you in life. Show some appreciation, respect, make the most out of things, and just don't take it for granted. And I know it's easier said than done, and look, it's not something that we're going to be able to do 24-7, but if you even want, just on those special days, 
if you're catching this on the 4th of July and you're out with your family and your friends and, you know, you're with people that you want to be with, right? Make sure you have a good time today. Have good memories. Savor the occasion. Have a lot of fun. Take it in. Relax. Enjoy. Be grateful. You know, be thankful that you're in the situation that you're in. Be appreciative of those who have helped you along the way. Guess what I'm trying to say is just be the best that you can be. I know it's really hard. I know we're not perfect, but when you just don't know what the future holds, I think it's worth it, don't you? This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Any questions, comments, pieces of feedback, reception reports... If we're on shortwave, I don't think we are this week. Maybe. Maybe I'll... I don't know. Anyway, the email address for contact, anyway, is V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's Victor Oscar Romeo Whiskey in the November Foxtrot Oscar at gmail.com. That was my, uh... That was my shoulder that cracked there. It's... I don't know what that was, but I know there's always an explanation. And anyway, if you do want to write in, and I strongly encourage you to, I don't know, talk about whatever you want. How's your day going today? Uh, We're just going to do another week of open phones. What do you want to talk about? How's it going today? Did you have any good... If you're celebrating the 4th, did you, uh... Yeah, did you have anything good to, uh, to eat? Have any good burgers? Uh, did you go with ribs? Did you did you cook any of those up? Did you go with a hot dog? What about some wings? Or did you just go with a salad? You know, you uh, going with whatever you want to go with. You just is it a regular day for you? How's it going? If that's the case, yeah. How are things? What what do you want to talk about? Anything going on in the world that you want to bring up to my attention? Have any radio-related questions? Go for it. Anything you want to talk about? What did you did you go on a good vacation recently? Any stories you want to talk about? Share. Anything. So it's yours. Just it's a it's another example. It is a blank slate, an open canvas. Whatever it is that you want to do, go for it. Just. It's open and it's there for you to do with as you choose. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com One thing, email is the way to get in contact. And I always thought, I remember someone complained to me once. They were saying, could you, could you stop with the email all the time? Right? Like they were freaking out. And uh, then I checked the other day. I was trying to post something on Instagram. It's for one of my related, um, one of my recent, I don't know why I said related, one of my recent videos. Because I always try to post, like, a little picture and something, and, you know, in case notifications didn't go out, you know, let the uh, viewers on Instagram know that, uh, you know, that I, I produce content and that there's a new video out there, shortwave broadcast to catch or something. Sometimes I'll just post a random picture or some meme or, or something, you know. And uh, I just happened to check the folder with the uh, direct messages on Instagram. And there were like a hundred in there 
from people writing into the show with reception reports and stuff, and I thought to myself, I thought I emphasized that I do not check my e- uh, that I do not check a direct messages. That the way to get in touch with me is email. You know, I, I figure it's no one use email anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. I know I'm dated. I know I am, but I thought email was still utilized. So, just know V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com is the way to get in touch with me. And with that, I'm going to open up the email, the uh, digital mailbag, and we're just going to get to a couple random topics and little tidbits and pieces of feedback, and uh, we'll see what we have here. So stay tuned, I'm just going to get that organized, and then... I'm going to try and carry around the microphone, and, and look, if, if this is a disaster, I'm watching the, uh, as I'm recording this, I'm kind of watching the waveform of the audio, and it looks good enough, but if it's unbearably shaky, I will not do this again. But I like it. I Sometimes I think I can just talk better when I'm kind of walking around. I don't know why, it just kind of helps, but we'll see. Stay tuned, this is VORW. All right, so here we are, and uh, let's see what we have for the mailbag. Let's see. We have a few. So let's see what we have. We have a couple opened up here. First, we have a few shorter ones. Uh, Brax is checking in. He said, when was the last time you played darts? I just played a game, and it made me think of you. Take care. Thank you for writing in. It's been a long time, uh, in part because I just do not have a dartboard here. I imagine if I got back into it, my skills would be very rusty, needless to say. So, I mean, it has been quite a while. Uh, probably, I would say maybe a year. Maybe more recently, maybe six months ago. It all depends, but it's been a while. But thank you for checking in. Thank you for your question. Uh, Josh writes in, uh, will we be getting an average day video this year? Thanks. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Josh. Uh, yes, indeed, we will. It'll be coming up within the next few or the next few days, I would say. Roy is uh, checking in. Roy in Abilene or Abilene, Texas. Topic: At the beginning of the summer, I took a trip to Honduras. I've always heard of extreme poverty third world countries face and how prevalent it is. But going there and seeing it is something else. When our group arrived, we were in the city, and on the bus ride to the location we were going, there were piles of trash everywhere and people living in them. There were kids who had barely anything on, families who lived on the minimum a person could live on. The crime and tradition of oppression was felt, I felt so grateful for what I had, it gave me an epiphany of this question. I thought of some problems first world countries try to tackle, like the green movement and reducing our carbon footprint by using green cars and anything that reduces it. However, people in these countries could care less and just want something that works regardless of the harmful byproducts it produces. The question I have for you is, what's your point of view on how first world countries should address problems so that in the long run, solutions to these problems can be applicable to third world problems. You know, it's it's a it's an interesting point, and a lot of people don't really think about it. You know, they think that, and yes, every little bit helps. You cannot forget that. 
Uh, but sometimes, you know, it's like using a, a recyclable or a reusable straw helps, but it's not going to do anything to assist the people in poverty over there. And a lot of those issues, it's sad, but a lot of them can only be solved domestically over there, right? Because even if, let's just say, and let me tell you this, and the... Sending aid to a lot of these countries is not a very popular view in the eyes of the general public, even if it is absolutely necessary, and it's a shame, number one. Number two, equality of human greed will get the best of people. So let's say by some miracle, an initiative to send aid, let's say to Honduras, and try and really help clean things up there and improve the quality of life. Let's just say it's a massive package to help things out, well, greed can get the best of people. If there's a corrupt government, that money is not going to go down to the people, nor is it going to go down to the infrastructure. You know, that's where it comes down to. So, another problem is that the way you and me live is not sustainable. You know, we are, the U.S. is, it is a populous country, but compared to the, to, to the world population... Right? It's not a lot of people. Yet, we use so much, we consume so much, you know, we're very, very greedy people as a society. And that's how we're conditioned. Look, that's how we are from birth. It's a really hard thing to break out of, I know. We're a very, very, very consumeristic country. We gotta get this, gotta get that, gotta use this, use that. And uh, that's how it is. I mean, there's just so many things. A lot of the things that need to be done need to be at a government level. And sometimes the existing government in power is going to refuse to do that. Education, health care, those things really need to be emphasized. There does need to be an emphasis on law and order, too. You can't just have people running amok. And all of this infrastructure needs to be built up, expanded, and it needs to be incentivized that it's used. People get their health checked out, get educated, get life skills, get helped out. It's so much work. And then to think, you know, it makes you realize, number one, like you said, how thankful and grateful we should be that we have what we have. Like, look, we might, ha we, we might not have a lot of money, but we're still in the top 1% of people in the entire world, just with what little we might have. And number two, it realizes how far, just how far we still need to come. And you know, when you mention that, the poverty that people live in still makes me, when people say that, you know, radio is a useless medium, makes me shake my head because it, you know, you realize that people that say that have never, ever, ever seen conditions like that. Alright, so continuing onward with the questions that we have, and if you are tuning in right now, we are just opening up the email, we're seeing whatever comes in, so if you're listening in right now, say hello, leave a comment, a question if there's a topic suggestion, if there's something that you want to hear me talk about, if you have a reception report you would like to deliver, V-O-R-W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com is the way to do it. V-O-R-W 
info at gmail.com. All right, so we hear from Daniel, and uh, this is an odd, it's an odd question. I mean, I really, I don't think this is one that I necessarily have the answer to. It says, I've always wondered whatever happened to the general media, uh, TV, radio, newspapers of the Soviet Union. Did the material get destroyed, or are they slowly decaying in the Russian plains? <laughs> well, like I said, this is open up to all different topics, and uh, even the media of the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, and uh, what's going on with it right now. <laughs> you know, it's an odd question. I, I, I have to give you credit. I never thought I would uh, get asked that one. Well, here's a good way to visualize it, right? Of course, the Soviet Union existed for many decades. And during that same span, right, the UK, England existed, the US, Canada, right? Most of the world as we know it today, geopolitically, yes, there were some name changes, but a lot of the major countries at least either existed or got their roots during this time. And, like, let, let's, let's keep it with the U.S., right? So ask yourself this. Now, I mean, you can go old school Soviet Union, right? You can go, like, 1940s. Or you can go kind of more recent, you know, 1980s Soviet Union. But, like, let's just keep it from the 40s to the 80s, right? What happened to all of the newspapers and radio broadcasts and TV broadcasts from the United States during that exact same time? Right? What happened to them? Well, the TV and radio broadcasts have come and gone. Some of the waves might be, might be uh, out in space somewhere. And that's where that stands. As for newspapers, a lot of them have disintegrated. They're gone, you know, they're back into the, the earth or have been long reused. Otherwise, uh, you have a few that are still probably saved somewhere. Uh, maybe some material that is still in someone's house, you know, under some pile of papers that haven't been touched in a long time, right? I mean, I guarantee you, with, like, the the Soviet Union, I guarantee you there's probably some old Soviet newspapers on someone's coffee table still that, you know, they just have never even, you know, forgotten about. Right? I, I mean, they're still around, but it's not like there's the secret uh, Soviet media vault or any of that. If you ever want to listen to any broadcasts from the, the Soviet Union, uh, there was a very prolific station. I'm sure some of the older shortwave listeners remember it very well, uh, called Radio Moscow. And, of course, I never remember those days, but they were uh, they apparently had a huge, huge, huge presence on the shortwave. Many of their broadcasts are archived, and uh, if you ever want to listen to them... You can find many, many broadcasts online. Uh, the listeners, I mean, 
it is what it is, but a lot of listeners have said it's insufferable propaganda, but let's be honest, when you look at the Cold War era, uh, there were many, many broadcasts, even ones from the U.S., that could be described as insufferable propaganda. Come, comes out of both sides. You know, there's a lot of bashing of everyone. You know, my country is better than yours, and life here is better than life there, and you know, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, from so many sides in those days. All right, thank you for your question. It was an interesting one. We have a nice letter to read from Jeff, and uh, he's been a long-time listener. He has some interesting points anyway, just some you know, miscellaneous feedback. And uh, he says, I'm back up in Estes Park, Colorado, pretending to be a cowboy for the summer. It's quite cool and rainy. We've seen some elk and deer, etc. Nothing too crazy. That's good. No, uh, no bear activity, at least. He says a couple of things. Several shows back, you were reading some listener stories about weather and the tornado sounds like a train subject was raised. I've experienced this, and it's true. Long story short, me and a friend were at another friend's farm. The wind kept surging, and then it would die down. This went on for about an hour. And then it started to blow again, but didn't let up, and it kept increasing until it sounded just like a train. My friend looked at me and yelled, That's a tornado! Lights went out. We were running around the dark in a strange home looking for the basement. I think by the time we made it to the basement, the tornado was three counties away. Everyone lived, but part of the barn roof did not. Uh, next thing, I have a good friend that manages a small movie theater in central Minnesota. And he's told me that the theater only makes about 10% of the ticket price. The majority goes back to the studio, Hollywood, etc. So most of the money made at the theater is from concessions. My wife worked at a 7-Eleven type place, and she said they make no money on gas sales, and were it not for cigarette and liquor sales, they'd never make a profit. I'm no businessman, but it all sounds and seems weird that you entice a buyer with a product you make no money on, in hopes that they will buy some ancillary product they spot on the way to the cash register. It is an odd business model, but, I mean, you look at how much theaters and all that stuff, I'm talking about the movie industry, you know, how much they've made, it, it still works. And, you know, an interesting thing, I think I mentioned this a few shows back, I'll, I'll reiterate it for the heck of it, why not, uh, where I think they were saying, you know, despite Netflix and all these uh, streaming platforms, yeah, movie theaters still get their customers. You know, people still go. I understand, though. Like, if there's a movie you really want to see, nothing beats the big screen. Well, that is, at least if there isn't a crying, you know, a crying child or someone who just can't stop rustling their bag of snacks. You, we, we've all been there, I think. I wonder if you can hear that in the background, some very, very loud, uh, engine. You know, you'd think that it was a, um, helicopter, but it's not. Well, anyway, and then he, uh, continues, wraps it up with a question. Uh, he said, I have a question. Maybe it could be a show topic. Recently you mentioned, uh, shortwave transmissions from India 
ceasing operation and the fact that over 40 transmitters would be shutting down, my question is, what becomes of that equipment? Uh, how big is a transmitter? Is there a separate tower of some sort for each transmitter? Can this equipment be repurposed for AM, FM, television, etc.? Uh, what about national emergencies? Can these things be fired up again quickly, if necessary? Are there any alternatively powered shortwave stations, solar, wind, etc.? Is this even possible? Anyway, blah blah, for some reason the idea of shutting down a huge and long-standing source of info as a national shortwave service made me wonder about the logistics. Well, thank you for writing in. And, uh, I don't think we've really talked too much about shortwave in this one, so let's go for it. Now, here's what happens, alright? There are many possibilities. First, let me explain, like, here's the thing when it comes down to transmitters. The higher the power, right, the bigger the transmitter is. So, I mean, let's say I had a, uh, I mean, I don't know. Let's say like a 10 to 100 watt shortwave transmitter. Like, it'll probably be a little box that's like maybe the size of a uh, VCR. Do you remember those? VCR DVD player. Uh, you know, kind of like that, that big. You know, it's not... It's not the uh, smallest thing in the world, but it's certainly something that's manageable. And, uh, you know, then you upgrade the power a bit. You get these broadcast-grade transmitters that start, you know, you start upping the power, right? Now you start getting to uh, 500 watts, and the thing starts getting to the size of a... Uh, mini-fridge, <laughs> you know? And then you increase it. And now it's, you know, let's say... Uh, 5 kilowatts. 5,000 watts, right? 1,000 watts is 1 kilowatt. And now a 5,000-watt transmitter... Uh, could be the size of a refrigerator. You know, a 100,000-watt... Transmitter... Is the size of... You know, like, the four refrigerators stacked up, you know, next to each other, side by side. So, I mean, you do the math, right? Eventually, it does get consolidated down to, so like, a 500,000-watt transmitter would be, like, maybe, you know, as big, could be as big as, like, six or seven refrigerators, you know, stacked up side by side. So, these can be massive transmitters. It all also depends on how new it is, how old it is, like, you have some shortwave transmitters uh, that have been on the air since the 1960s that are still going. So, granted, a transmitter that was built in the 60s is going to be a bit bigger and more bulky than, say, a transmitter that was built in 2019, okay? But it still functions, it still gets a signal out, and I imagine... Probably the transmitters used for All India Radio are not the world's newest ones. Uh, so they're probably on the larger side. So that's the first thing. Now secondly, when it comes down to transmitters, usually the rule of thumb is always one transmitter, one antenna. So as a result, you would need at a minimum 40 antenna setups here. I mean, 
the way that it is, like these 40 transmitters, it's not like they have some giant warehouse somewhere that has, you know, 40 of these things just lined up back to back. All right, it's, it's split up. So like, let's say there's a site in South India that has, you know, five transmitters. Uh, then you have one near, you know, Jammu and Kashmir that is, let's say it houses three transmitters. Uh, you have, let's say, a couple transmitting stations in West Bengal, India, has a few more, and so on and so forth. They're spread throughout the country. But each one has to have, of course, the transmitters, uh, the audio equipment, you know, you name it. There's so many things that go into it. And that's the thing, right? That begs the next question. If so much infrastructure goes into this, then what do they do with it if they don't need it or choose not to use it anymore? Well, here's the sad answer. Uh, most of the time, they tear it down and they scrap it. They say, well, all right, you know, how much can we get for this metal, right? Or the electronics, can we scrap that down? Can we sell it, make a couple grand off of it, etc., uh, etc.? Et most of the time, it's not repurposed. It is not, as I say, mothballed. And it's done. It's scrapped and it's gone. Now, there are a few countries that have ceased shortwave operations, but still have the transmitter sites completely functional, right? It's just like they turned the power off, but in the event of a national emergency, they can just flip the switch back on as long as they have a few engineers and get it back on the air. Uh, the, the main country that comes to mind there is Russia. You know, they, well, most, most, for the most part, they left shortwave in 2014. But they saved all the transmitting infrastructure, and as various parts of the country uh, experience issues, like there was one area in, uh, you know, real far eastern Russia, right, where it gets very, very rural. And I remember last year they got hit with some big storm and it knocked out some infrastructure in some of the very rural areas. And, you know, just like that, no problem. What, the radio goes out? You know, the local stations, the infrastructure goes out? No problem. They just fire up one of the former uh, Voice of Russia transmitting stations and relay, relay it on shortwave, just like that, you know? No problems, no issues, nothing. So, I mean, if that's the case, right, like you said, in a national emergency, if the infrastructure is there, it's fine, no, no issue whatsoever. Uh, but unfortunately, most of the stations that leave the airwaves just don't, they don't use that logic. Uh, for instance, when Radio Canada International signed off, they had a uh, very, very nice transmitting station in uh, Sackville, New Brunswick, I think it was. And uh, it's right off the side of the highway there, too. And there was, a, uh, there was a good documentary film about it. I mean, you can look it up. I forget the name right now. Was just look up, you know, Radio Canada International, you know, transmitter documentary or something, and you'll find it. And it was good, though. It was... um. It was good. 
can't believe I'm blanking out with it, but anyway. And, uh, well, what I was, what I was getting at was they scrapped it, and it was just sad. It was sad for a lot of people. You know, you get nostalgic, there's a station you listen to all the time, and uh, you see it just torn down. Uh, some recent stations that did that, you know, Radio Australia, the esteemed Radio Australia, missed by many, myself included, they were a sad one to go. Uh, there was a big push that, uh, you know, to get them back on the air. And unfortunately, had the outcome of the elections in Australia been different, had the Labour Party have actually won, uh, Radio Australia might might have been back. They might have been transmitting at this very moment. Uh, you know, the Labour Party was going to get a budget of several million for them. It would have been enough to renovate the transmissions and get them back on the air. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, and uh, those who were elected have... <laughs> shortwave is not even on their radar, so... I know the transmitter sites are up for sale for, like, uh, grazing, you know, cattle... Uh, property. So if it's not demolished already, it will be soon. And then one station in the U.S., uh, WWRB, in uh, Morrison, Tennessee, worldwide religious broadcast, they shut down... Well, I mean, they still have one transmitter going, but they used to have, I think, five transmitters and 40 towers, and they tore everything down except for one transmitter and one antenna tower, and they'll just lease that out to, you know, if some church wants to get their ministry on the air, they'll sell it out to them. I I tried to buy airtime from them, uh, because they seemed to have a good rate, but they said they were only interested in religious clients, so, you know, that was that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... So, I mean, the future for All India Radio is it's probably going to get demolished and, and scrapped, a shortwave transmitter can be repurposed into an AM transmitter. Because if you think of it this way, right? AM radio and shortwave... Oh, AM stands for amplitude modulation. Right, it doesn't stand for, like, AM radio, because that's what you listen to in the morning. <laughs> that always makes me laugh when sometimes I, I hear that. Uh, you know, but... AM stands for amplitude modulation, FM stands for frequency modulation, and it's the means of how the signal is, right? With AM, you have the carrier wave right on the frequency, and then the sidebands with the audio. And because the bandwidth of AM radio is not as big as FM, that's why AM kind of sounds, you know, more like AM quality. Uh, whereas FM, there's a lot more room, and, uh, you know, that's why the signals are much, much bigger. allows for that higher fidelity, right, when you explain it like that. But anyway, the transmission of AM and shortwave is identical. Really, the, the most crude explanation of how shortwave is, I always just say it's like AM radio on steroids. It's, it sounds like AM radio has, you know, fading and all that, though it's a little less susceptible to interference, I've noticed, than AM. It's just on different frequencies that allow the uh, signal to travel much, much, much further. So as a result, when, when you realize that and you kind of put it together, okay, well, 
if shortwave is transmitted exactly like AM, sound quality, right? Carrier wave and the the uh, side bands of audio, same, you know, same bandwidth, same everything. All you need to do is just get into the transmitter and readjust the frequencies it's able to transmit on. So yes, you can repurpose it for an AM broadcast and vice versa. You can do it both ways. Not a lot of stations do that. Uh, one station that I know has done it in the past is uh, WBCQ in Monticello, Maine, U.S. And uh, they'll, like, they, they'll really, they're very technically savvy. So what they'll do is they'll get an old, you know, decommissioned AM broadcast transmitter, because those are obviously more easy to come by. And they'll really, you know, they'll just get in there, because again, they're pretty brilliant with engineering. And they'll repurpose it into shortwave and get it on the air for their station. It's a good cost-effective way, as long as you get the reach, the power, and sufficient audio quality, why not, you know, repurpose it and make the most out of it. So anyway, that's all that I have. I, I figured, since, you know, look, this is my show, and uh, I was going to go ahead and give a good lecture about shortwave, and nothing's going to stop me this time around. You had a two-week respite from it, and uh, now you were, you were in for uh, another classic lecture there. So anyway, thank you so much for writing in, Jeff. It's great to hear from you. Long-time listener, like I said. Always, always a pleasure. All right, well, we have a couple more. A couple more little pieces of correspondence. Becky and Koki Hansen, some more long-time listeners checking in. It's been a while since we asked a question. Just got back from my grandmother's 100th birthday party in Hawaii. My question is, when you visited Hawaii, what was your favorite memory? <laughs> it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Uh, in regards to the, uh, you know, Hawaii. I was just talking about it. You know, one of my favorite things, I mean, in general, because it was a good trip, you know, I went to a good deal of the islands, not all of them, granted. With the whole experience considered, I would say my favorite was just, you know, how beautiful it is. How, how beautiful, how scenic Like, it was incredible. I remember, you know, the one thing with the island of Maui was that for some reason, I I don't know if it was, I don't know what it was, I don't know if it was the sun or the air or something there was anyway, irritating my arms a little bit, you know, it was just leading to just a little bit of red, you know, irritation. It wasn't crazy, it's not like they swelled up or anything, it was just irritation that I noticed. It didn't really itch, you know. And once I left, it was fine, but... Aside from that, Maui was a beautiful, beautiful island. And I remember going through there, even just driving, driving to some restaurant, and looking off the side of the road, and I was thinking, I can't believe, like, there is just so much here. Like, everywhere I look, and it, it's just so picturesque. That goes for so many places, even like the uh, Kalupapa right there. That was one of the most beautiful places in Hawaii, to be honest. And, you know, it's... Again, it's not something that's for everyone, but boy, there are some some beautiful sites there. If you, you know, just go ahead, look on Google Images, and you know what I'm talking about. And then on, uh, I believe it was 
Mauna Kea, I believe it was it was the one the one mountain with all of the observatories on the top. Might I, I imagine it's Mauna Kea? I don't think it's Mauna Loa, but it was one or the other. And again, I'm just I'm going off of memory here. Uh, but the view from that over the Pacific at sunset, that was another very, very pretty view. The nature, of course, that's what made it, but it was a lovely place. Lovely place. I imagine you would agree, but it's a place I recommend, if if people have the resources, to go give it a visit. You know? Alright, well, we have a couple more emails. I think we can squeeze in. Uh, Olivia, in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll keep it brief for now. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the monopolization of media groups? Isn't the statistic something like five conglomerates control 90% of media in the U.S.? Is this ultimately detrimental to a free-thinking and independent society? Or is it just a course of evolution? Thanks for your time. Well, thank you, Olivia. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that, and here's what it comes down to. You can look at it both ways. You can say... This is really, it's a matter of perspective. It's all about how you look at it. You can say, well, you know, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think we have it as, you know, it's organized. And there's kind of something for everyone. You might not agree with everything, but, you know, you got networks that are in the center. Uh, You got major networks that are left-leaning, right-leaning, you know. You can say, well, you got something for everyone, right? And it's organized, it's it's funded, uh, so you can get lots of reporters and stories and higher quality material. And, uh, right, that's great. High quality journalism. <laughs> well, you know what I mean with that. High quality in regards to production. And um, you can say that. I on, I only laugh because I, <laughs> I I just think back to the time when I was my 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 own fake death was reported, with the whole, all the, the death hoaxes and I. It's hard to say that with a straight face. Anyway, look, that's an aside. It's a valid it's a valid conclusion that lots of people come to. They say, look, we like the organization, makes it easy, right? I don't have to sift through hundreds and hundreds of competing opinions here. I can get my news, it's easy to do it, and I like it. Well, then you'll get other people, of course, that'll say, you know what, this is a shame. Whatever happened to having that ability to have, you know, to get your voice out there and to get more unbiased news and information? Uh, You know, like you said, it's not free-thinking, or independent, you have these big companies that are literally telling you what to think. And I don't like it one bit. So it all depends on who you ask. To be honest, though, I think that there needs to be a balance. I think we all have our issues with the media. Uh, Like them or hate them, we, we have our issues. But in the end, I mean, major conglomerates of news are better than no news whatsoever. And the good thing is that, look, it's not like they're saying you have to pick from these five major networks and that's it. Otherwise, no news for you. If you want to get it from alternative sources, if you want to listen to some news station on shortwave, then go for it. That's your media outlet. 
Uh, there's many independent networks of all political, social viewpoints and leanings that you could find online, even in print. A few of them on TV, not a ton. Not a ton. TV is dying. But it's still hanging on. Radio, you name it. And, uh, I mean, it's still out there. Yes, it's just that the big ones are, st- you know, they're more popular, and it's harder to, harder to, uh, harder to find the smaller ones. But some of those diamonds in the rough, some of them just not so much. All right, thank you, Olivia, for writing in. And then we have an anonymous listener writing in to conclude the broadcast. I've been struggling with self-confidence and anxiety lately. However... I've been trying to help myself by putting myself in uncomfortable situations. And the problem by that, writes, such as uh, approaching strangers and striking conversations, the problem is I just feel like I'm not getting any better. How do you gain confidence and deal with anxiety, Review Bro? You seem extremely articulate and brave to me. I'd like to know how you just do it. Well... Thank you. I, th- I think you're giving me too much credit. I thank you sincerely for your kind words. And number one, I, I applaud you for going ahead and trying to fight your fears. Look, that number one right there is how you do it. By having that attitude, that this is something that you want to overcome, and you want to get better at, and you want to improve with right? That attitude right there, that means of thinking and addressing it, that right there is probably the most important thing. Because if you're willing to try to combat it and get better, that's it right there. If you aren't, you know, it's not going to happen, right? Complacency can sometimes get the best of us. Now, anyway, though, the other thing, because, because as I said, you, I think it gave me too much credit, because I still have my fears, I still have my issues, and one thing that I've been trying to do recently is I've been trying to fight through them too, and I've been trying to, you know, kind of do those, do those things as well, you know, not necessarily uh, make conversation, but here comes a motorcycle, or is he, is he going the other way, I don't know, anyway, Try to go out more and you know, do more stuff. And sometimes it can be very intimidating on me because I've always been to the point of, of reclusive and borderline agoraphobic a person, you know? But sometimes in life, if you want to progress in life and you want to get stuff done and, you know, you have to go out. You have to uh, go out and, and do certain things, right? So... I I have to fight through them. Sometimes you have to sit there and you have to psych yourself up. You know, like, lots of people, they can just go out, no problem. Go, uh, whatever. Insert here. Uh, But, you know, I have to psych myself up. And look, there's some days where I I just, I can't do it. I, I just can't. One thing that I'll sometimes do, and I know it's not necessarily in regards to socializing. One thing that I did suggest is, I mean, of course, when it comes down to talking to people, you have to, I mean, number one, just, you have to see if the other person is, like, if they're into it. Like, if someone looks just, like, they're really pissed off, 
they're, they're not having any of this. <laughs> you know, might be best to just skip over that, but if they seem like they want to talk or whatever, uh, one, one best thing, even if you have those nervousness, is lend a keen ear, listen to what they're saying, and just expound on it. Right, again, I think I said this a couple weeks back, ask questions based on what people are saying. There's one thing I know, lots of people in conversation love talking about themselves, what it is that they're doing, what's going on in their lives, of course, to a degree of, of whatever they're comfortable with. So, yeah, just ask them about whatever they're talking about. Ask questions, keep the ball in their court, and it should, you know, it should keep things going, and then if you ever notice any signs, like they're ready to go, get on with their own business, uh, you know, then take that and, you know, say, look, it was, it was great talking to you, you have a good whatever, that'll be that. Also, of course, being polite, courteous, some people will not reciprocate it, but that's always a good thing to do, just for the sake of trying to be a decent person, anyway. Uh, but, and just a few miscellaneous tips, anyway. Thank you for writing in. All right, well, again, on one final note, I'm going to wrap up the broadcast now. Email is open, as always. Open phones, the email equivalent, of course. Talk about, ask, whatever you want. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Support the broadcast. Keep it going. A donation via PayPal would be graciously, graciously appreciated to V-O-R-W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com And I really hope you can catch the show next week. All these online platforms uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Casts, and so on and so forth. And on shortwave, 7780 kHz to Europe at 5 p.m. Eastern every Thursday. That's 21 hours UTC, 5850 kHz at 9 p.m. Eastern every Thursday to North America. That's 01 hours UTC. And with that, dear listeners, I conclude this broadcast of VORW International. Thank you for tuning in, and we will be seeing you again next Thursday. Let's pull up the calendar here. The 11th of July... 2019. In this next week that is about to transpire, do take care. Have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful remainder of your 4th of July if you're celebrating. And stay tuned to the main YouTube channel because you will very likely have an average day on the way. Thank you and do take care. This is VORW.